kick it. Can I kick it? 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 Hello and welcome to episode 289 of section 138. It's a sweep over the Boston Red Sox. The Blue Jays get the monkey off their back and they finally defeat the Red Sox. And not only do they defeat them, but they take all three games against them at Fenway Park. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? You know, it's funny because we were so sarcastic um, about predicting kind of just, first of all, two out of three for sure. And we were also just kind of being a little bit sarcastic slash pessimistic about them winning one game after the history, of course, of the first couple series that they played this season uh, against the Red Sox, knowing where we were at the beginning of the week. And then, of course, to see what happened this weekend, a whole bunch of stuff happened in terms of the offense, Davis Schneider, everything like that. And they come away from Fenway with the sweep going back the other way and arguably possibly putting an end to the Red Sox season or at least really destroying their playoff chances. It was probably the best weekend, of course, um, uh, that you could have imagined for this team. It is a weekend they needed after what happened in Baltimore uh, the series prior. And the million-dollar question, which is something that we've been asking ourselves all year, is, is it sustainable? Can we finally kind of see this be the beginning of something? Who knows? But either way, as of now in the current moment, what a weekend at Fenway Park. Remember when you said not to uh, bet on Alec Manoa? I'm just saying, they sweep. I, I pull. I uh, I took uh, advantage of that. I'm I'm going up in the standings. You guys went down, but Alec Manoa. I mean, we'll get to it a little bit later. We didn't go quality down. We just start. Like stayed the same. We we did well, get no. minus one. Yes, I was did. just telling you. You did. Uh, Alec Manoa with that quality start. I will take it. About time the Blue Jays beat the Red Sox, and jeez, this couldn't have been at a better time because. I mean, like you just said, this playoff race is not getting any easier, and to take three games to separate yourself this much against the Red Sox at this point in the season, it it, it couldn't have happened at a better time against a better team too, or considering uh, where they are in the in the uh, in the uh, division. Yeah, it was kind of doomsday last time we recorded, and well, do we know the Blue Jays come out here and they kind of rescue their season? Not that it was ever that extreme, like they weren't on the ropes at the end of the last series, but it certainly felt like that. It was an emotional gut punch, and this is the exact opposite in the opposite direction, and the Blue Jays really needed this one. Uh, so let's talk about, I guess, the man kind of behind all of this and the guy who's captured the nation's attention, Davis Schneider. Came out of nowhere. Last episode, I didn't even know his name. I called him Casey Schneider. And little do we know in this episode, he comes around this series against Boston. He goes 9 for 13, 2 homers, 5 RBI, 1 walk. He tied the modern era record for the most hits in the first three games of a career. He's the first ever in Major League Baseball history with 9 hits and 3 homers in your first three games. Uh, Batting third in the lineup. Just wild, wild stats from Davis Schneider for his first weekend. I'm curious what you guys made of his first weekend of Major League action, where all this came from, whether you think it's sustainable. Give me all your Davis Schneider thoughts. Well, here's something funny. Uh, since July 2nd, Davis Schneider now has more home runs than George Springer, which, I mean, like, not a huge comparison. Obviously, he's played three games, but he is putting on a show, and you're seeing, like, Blue Jays needed some offense. Like, we've seen Dalton Varsho struggling. You've seen Springer, you've seen Guerrero, although he's, he's definitely turned things around. They needed this type of performance, just any type of offensive performance. And I think he looks good. Like, he looks comfortable. And, I mean, we see this in his first at-bat going, uh, hitting a home run. He had another one. You know, like, these aren't just cheap home runs. Like, they're going over Fenway Park's uh, Green Monster. And they're looking, like, you can see that he he does, I mean, I'm going to say fit in with the team. because, But, you know what I mean. Like, he, he looks overall good and you're seeing that you know four rbis in that in that third game of the series tonight uh only two strikeouts over that uh, over that little uh, stretch of the series like to me he just i mean here's the thing he looks good but at the same time you've played three games there's only so much i think that uh we can pull from this and the league will adjust like i'm not saying he's going to be their new everyday left fielder or, or second baseman or whatever but if he gets more uh, regular playing time, the league will adjust and they will know what to do with him. But for the time being, if he can help you separate yourselves against the Red Sox, 
he can help you win in any way possible while he uh, while he's doing that, you let him play. And he looked good overall. Like it, it's a short little three game series, uh, not a huge sample size, but what I saw first uh, during this game or during these games, he looks good. I'm just wondering how long this hot stretch will go for and, and when the league will start to make adjustments to him. But for now, I think you have to ride the hot hand. And unfortunately, you know, we're seeing, you know, Santiago Espinal struggling, uh, Dalton Varsho struggling. I don't see why you don't put him in the lineup, at least for the next little bit, um, in the next couple of games, give him some playing time and let's see how long that the, this uh, little hot stretch can, can last for. Well, he definitely has a window here to take advantage of all of these opportunities because of the fact that Bo Bichette is missing, and this is going to this is going to give him more reps at a position like second base because a guy like Paul DeYoung is going to take most of the reps at shortstop. So this is something where right now, of course, the first impression was huge. We, you guys talked about it already a little bit. His first at bat, he hits a home run, and then he becomes the first player in MLB history with nine hits and two homers in his first three games. This was probably a perfect scenario in terms of a debut for him. I mean, first of all, I don't know if any anybody was expecting a, a home run in his first at-bat, but I mean, that's got to be the best feeling ever if you're a rookie um, like that. Just getting that out of the way in your first career at-bat, the hit, the home run, everything like that, it takes the weight off your shoulders right away. And then even just seeing, I guess, his play throughout the weekend, of course, he had the spotlight on, on him all weekend. And I think that for me, just really looking at how calm of a player he truly was and just seeing how calm he is on the field and in the batter's box. And of course, he has been known as well throughout his career in the minor leagues as a guy who doesn't exactly chase at a lot of pitches. And you saw him be very comfortable um, this weekend against the Red Sox pitching at Fenway Park. And I mean, what an incredible story. Of course, another guy who was drafted really late, uh, the 28th round in 2017. And he was at a point a couple years ago where it doesn't, it didn't seem like he was getting to where he wanted to be uh, in the minor leagues. He had a decent year last year, uh, an 823 OPS, sorry, uh, throughout three different levels. And then this year is when his numbers really skyrocketed, kind of out of the blue uh, in AAA Buffalo. And he wasn't all, from what I remember in spring training, it wasn't a name that we talked about a lot either. It felt like this past spring training in terms of guys that were, I guess, very close to being called up and were kind of high prospects, um, were kind of centered around guys like Aurelvis Martinez and Addison Barger. So this was qu quietly a name who surfaced throughout the year with David Schneider. He got out to a spectacular start in 87 games with Buffalo, and I mean, Everybody knows that his OPS was that high. It was at 969. The home runs for me were the biggest part because, of course, in correlation with this lineup at the big league level, the one thing that we've been missing a lot this year is the power. And that's why the fit um, for David Schneider coming up to this roster was it was a perfect fit, ideally. And this is something where he has quickly become, if you look at today in the Sunday game, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., of course, gets the day off. And all of a sudden, he's in the three-hole after a couple days already, uh, or a couple games behind his belt already. So, John Schneider, John Schneider, manager John Schneider, said it after the game that it's going to be tough to keep him out of the lineup after what he did this past weekend. That is the best-case scenario for him. It's going to be interesting to see where he slots in, even when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes back to the lineup after the off day. Will he remain in the three-hole? Will he kind of just surface around that top of the order? But, I mean, it's just... For me, it was a crazy weekend filled with a lot of emotions for him. Again, just coming right up here and the fact that he is a second baseman and he got reps even prior to being called up. Um, there were positions that he was playing, really. He was playing third base, first base. He was playing right field, left field, and, of course, left field is the other position that he primarily plays. But this was something that was kind of hinted at the last couple of weeks, and it's something that we brought up the last episode and something that was also brought up uh, throughout the media is that are they going to make some sort of change and bring some one of these young guys up because of the fact that, of course, we talked about the trade deadline. Nothing was exactly acquired externally so the answer was going to come within and right now on this roster you look at what they currently had in terms of on the bench or people at second base besides Whit Merrifield it wasn't getting the job done and you talked about it Jacob in terms of a guy like Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio of course Kevin Biggio played well today in the Sunday game but it just throughout majority of the year it hasn't been those you know last couple of roster spots it I don't want to call it a waste of a roster spot but it hasn't been used to its fullest and I think that was something that was also noticed no you know really obvious so they changed things up they brought him up from AAA Buffalo of course it internally was going to be the only option going forward of course it's not sustainable in terms of the level he's at he's batting over 600 but if you take everything away from that 
everything throughout his last couple years in the minor leagues. He is a very good hitter. I mentioned it at the top. He doesn't swing a lot. He doesn't miss a lot. That's going to be something that um, as he gets more at bats, and of course, when he does eventually cool down, that is something that I'm going to be interesting or interested in noticing to see kind of how he reacts to that. However, if he continues to play at this type of level, and when a guy like Bo Bichette comes back, I mean, it's going to be very hard to send him back down to AAA Buffalo, and that's exactly what his goal is going to be: is to try and do everything he can to stay up there, of course. But it kind of just all. It's going to be interesting to see how that all goes down at second base. We've talked about the scenario of when a guy like Bo Bichette comes back, will a guy like Whit Merrifield take more reps from Dalton Varsho in left field? And then that's going to kind of potentially open up more playing time for a guy like Schneider at second base if he stays up here long or for the longer term. And then, of course, a guy like Dalton Varsho, who played really well this weekend, also making a name for himself or making a case to stay in the lineup every day. It's a good problem to have, and when you want to relate Schneider to the rest of the team, it was just a really good weekend at the plate for this. It's just It goes back to the same problem that we've seen all year, is when we've seen a stretch like this, it kind of goes back to what it was throughout, you know, or what it has been throughout majority of the year. So that's going to be the biggest question. But of course, there is no question at all. Bringing up a guy like Davis Schneider was definitely a nice boost for this lineup, and I mean, he's already seems... Like, he's very well-liked within the dugout. There's been nothing but good things said about him, of course, throughout the minor leagues. And again, just getting the weight off his shoulders in his first career at bat, insane, uh, doing it at Fenway Park. I mean, if it wasn't for that sign that he hit, it was actually, it looked like it was going to go right outside of Fenway Park. So that would have been cool, too. Um, And of course, what he did throughout the rest of the weekend, just getting hits left, right, and center. And the fact of how easily he was able to adapt, being at the three spot, of course, for the first time uh, today in the Sunday game. That said it all for me as well. It seems like he's a very good fit for this team. Of course, once again, it's unfair to expect a level like this to be sustained throughout the rest of the year. But, of course, he can remain a very good hitter. You looked at his numbers in AAA Buffalo. If he can sustain numbers around there, that's a huge bonus for this team, especially with the team that is looking for more power at the plate and more home runs. Yeah. I mean, it's not a question of if. It's a question of when he cools down. and. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of player he is when he cools down and how he deals with it. Because, you know, watching a lot of the young Jays go through this, Bobashev, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, like there's going to be a period where he has to figure things out at the major league level and pitchers make adjustments and he's got to make adjustments the other way. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares when that happens. But honestly, like when he first came up, I was skeptical. Like, so many people were excited about him. And like I said, I didn't even know his name last week. Like, I was really skeptical that he was actually going to make an impact on this team. And I was kind of confused why people were excited, right? Because it's an interesting story. Like, you talk about a 28th round pick in the minors for six years. He finally comes up. He gets his major league debut at Fenway Park. Like, all of that is great. But bottom line, it's just kind of a feel-good story that's happening on the sidelines. To me, it wasn't all that important when this team is in the middle of a playoff race just crap the bed against Baltimore Orioles, a team that they really needed to make up ground against. Like To me, that was the most worrying thing and the thing that I was most concerned about. So I was really underestimating David Schneider, but he came in here and he had a wonderful week. And I think he's kind of been a spark plug for this team. And Brandon Belt said the same thing in one of his post-game interviews where they were kind of in the gutter after that Baltimore series, after the All-Star break. This team had no momentum, no energy. And all of a sudden, you get that spark of energy from the most unlikely of places, and that's AAA in Davis Schneider. So that's a really big surprise and a pleasant surprise, especially for the ones of us who are kind of underestimating him. Um, I do think the most interesting dimension of this is the roster crunch. Like you said, like what, not even the roster crunch, but just like the plate appearance crunch, like the starting crunch, like who shuffles out, who shuffles in, how do you make sure he's in the lineup? Because right now he's in the lineup every day. Like, he's bought himself that time. I think for at least maybe at the end of this Cleveland series, right? I think he's guaranteed that he should be starting every single game of this Cleveland series. And if, you know, he cools off, if things shake out a different way, maybe you give him a couple days off over the weekend back home against Chicago. But at the very least in Cleveland, he's bought himself a start every day. And then the question becomes, like, who is it coming at the cost of? Like, is it Paul DeYoung who's hitting the bench because he's not really performing so well for the Jays right now? Is it a guy like Espinal who's already kind of out of the lineup every day? Biggio's going to be taking a hit in terms of plate appearances. Uh, I mean, Whit Merrifield is another guy who kind of occupies the same role at second base. Maybe he's someone whose plate appearances take a hit. Like, there are a lot of moving parts to this. So, 
I, I mean, Bryson, you already kind of answered this, but Jacob, I'm curious what you think the solution to this is plate appearance wise. Like, how do you find David Schneider room in the roster right now? Like he got a he got a spot in today's lineup because Vladdy had the scheduled day off. Where does he go all the other times? Well, see, even without David Schneider, this roster's crammed. Like, you know, people are always but it's asking not me, like oh, why is an important you know, you know what I mean? Like whether you're choosing between Espinal or Biggio isn't like like that's a nothing burger. But if you're deciding between like I mean like Whit Merrifield or David Schneider, like that's something people actually care about. Yeah. Um It's t- I mean Whit Merrifield's playing every day. I don't think that that's up for debate. I Dalton Varshow struggles at the plate, has struggled this season, but I love his defense. Both of those, I think, stay in the lineup. And then you really think, I mean, is it, you know, I mean, I, I highly doubt you go and trade for Paul DeYoung and then he never plays. I mean, he's, once Pachette's back, that that uh, kind of answers itself. But I, people are not going to like this, but I really do think it's time to cut ties with Kevin Biggio. Send him down to the minors. Here's the, like, I know he's a lefty. I know people say, oh, he can play every position. It's not terrible, but like, if I have the option putting, I mean, I know I don't want to get on like the David Schneider hype train and all my focus is on him, but Kevin Biggio is not playing right now. If, if I have to pick between any of them, and I know you can make the same case for Santiago Espinal, but I, I mean, I do like him on the base pass a little bit better. I do like his defense a little bit better, but I, I really think it's time to say goodbye to Kevin Biggio. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. And I don't mean that, that there's no way that he could ever come back, but like, he is not one of your players or one of your best players. He is not somebody that will, in my opinion, take you into the playoffs or take you deep into the playoffs and hope you win a world series. Like, yeah, he's got some upside, but if there's a roster crunch to me, he's the, he's the uh, odd man out. Yeah. It's the thing is, is I don't disagree with any choice you make because of the fact of, again, what I said, like, and what you said, Mark, it's just like, those last couple of roster spots this year, it just, it hasn't, I don't want to say a waste of once again, it just, it hasn't brought a lot to the table in terms of this team. Like you look at, I don't know, you, for example, the Baltimore Orioles who are first in the AL East and who have com- completely taken off, their bench is full of guys who can come off the bench and have power and everything like that. They have platoon guys, and that brings value to the bottom end and the back end of their roster. You look in comparison to a team like the Jays with their lineup in terms of their bench, It's there's not a lot of value in terms of what Espinal and Bijou have both brought um, to the table this season. So that's going to be interesting roster. It's going to be interesting because when Bichette comes back, one of those guys, including Davis Schneider, is gonna. It's gonna be one of those guys who have to go, uh, just because of the fact that it's a twenty-six man roster. So, if that's the case, for me, if they ever make that decision, like they're they're gonna keep Paul DeYoung, and if it comes to the point where he's gonna have to see the bench more, I think to me that wouldn't surprise me a whole lot. Like he hasn't had the greatest season at the plate and more of his value coming here was more, I think defensively because he's a great defender and he adds something that can come off the bench in terms of great defense um, or just an option like that off the bench. For me, I'd go the opposite. I would probably lean more to cutting ties with Santiago Espinal. Um, Just because of the fact that you mentioned it too, you got to have a lefty, I think on the bench with Kevin Biggio. And perhaps that also means that a guy like Varsho will also be available off the bench more because maybe Whit Merrifield takes more reps at left field. Um, if that's the case, then it's really a coin flip between one of those two people. It's just, there's no right or wrong for me in terms of that. So as much as you say, um, Biggio Jacob, I have no problem with that at all. It's just, it's unfortunately come to the um, to the conclusion, just to the point that there hasn't been a lot of value brought um, within these two guys. And of course, you can also... You can never rule out the event that David Schneider struggles going forward, and then they may, maybe they send him down. But of course, I don't think that's going to be the case for the men- or for the reasons that we were pretty much talking about earlier in terms of what he brings at the plate, the power, because that's something that Espinal or Biggio don't bring. And it, maybe it, it turns out that he just puts together better at-bats, and we saw that already through three games this weekend at Boston. I know it's a very small sample size, but you talked about it, Mark. He's going to get a longer leash, especially these, these next four games, to wrap up the road trip in Cleveland. So 
when Bo Bichette does come back, there will have to be a decision made, of course, unless it's closer to September and perhaps there's the expanded roster by only two people. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think we're expecting Bo Bichette to be back before then. Of course, we don't want to jump to conclusions, but it seems like he is already kind of is what we got the update today on the telecast that he is slowly already moving to resuming baseball activities cautiously. That's very good news for somebody who needs to get back to this lineup as soon as they can. So it does create a roster crunch, and it also creates a roster crunch not just because of who stays on the roster. It's more also about the playing time like we talked about. I mean, Espinal and Bijou's playing time were already cut um, in terms of bringing in a guy like Paul DeYoung because, of course, he just leapfrogged them and pretty much... um, I guess, took over the everyday shortstop role for the time being. And then, of course, the fact, of again, is Whit Merrifield going to take more reps at left field from a guy like Dalton Varsho? We might see that as well going forward. So it is a roster crunch, and it brings more discussion at the bottom end of this roster when you add a guy like David Schneider because, again, just there's been little value from those last couple spots this season. It's been unfortunate because, of course, we are rooting for all these guys on this team, and, and you know, we've seen guys like Espinal have a really good year. He was an all-star last season. Uh, Kevin Biggio's had opportunities, and, of course, he just can't really figure things out consistently, even though we see flashes from here and there, but it's not all the time. So it's going to be a good discussion when it does happen, but if I ever had to choose somebody to cut ties with, in the event Bichette comes back and they have to, I guess, cut ties with somebody on the roster for me, I think I decide to cut ties with Espinal. Okay, the question of who they should cut ties with, I'm flipping a coin between Espinal and Biggio. Who they will cut ties with? I think, unfortunately, it's going to be Davis Schneider because he's the guy who has options. He's the guy who can go down to the minors. Like, Assuming he doesn't keep going 9 for 13 over the next week or so, like he's going to cool off at some point. Like maybe it's a really, it's going to be a really tough decision to make no matter what, because now everyone loves Davis Schneider and everyone's cheering for him and everyone's talking about how they're going to grow mustaches now in honor of him. Like he has captured the fans' attention. So it's going to be a tough decision to make. But like, I don't, we've seen this play out time and time again where a guy is, performing well where a guy probably all things considered deserves a spot on the major league roster but the Blue Jays decide to move him down in favor of someone else because he has options and the other player doesn't because he can be moved down and the other player can't and so that's just kind of knowing the way the Blue Jays operate I see that as the most likely route forward do I want that happen no like he's whether or not he keeps playing like this or not like you say Bryson like he's earned his spot on this roster and he brings something that the other guys on the bench don't like you don't you're not going to get power out of uh Kevin Biggio or Santiago Espinosa you're not going to get two homers on a weekend like it's just not going to happen from either of those guys so I don't know it's going to be an interesting debate and it's going to be something that we are tracking for quite a while as Bo Bichette um continues to return from the injured list and just in terms of playing time I think it's going to be just like here and there like Davis is going to start one day when Espinal and Bijou are on the bench and then he's gonna you know cycle in for Merrifield in the outfield maybe Varsho gets a day off he cycles in there like he's I the pieces are going to be moving around a lot and I think it's I don't think it's going to be one player who suffers extremely because he's on the roster besides Bijou and Espinal of course um okay let's talk a little bit more about the offense in general because it was a really good offensive series from the Jays in fact the second best offensive series this season second only to the series they had back in May against the Tampa Bay Rays and that series they scored 30 runs but that was largely because of a 20 game outing against the Tampa Bay Rays in that series so all things considered this was phenomenal offensive series from the Blue Jays um Sunday they scored the second most runs in a single game all season second of course to that 20 run outing some of the standouts Brandon Belt four hits home run double two RBI George Springer had a really another solid series seven hits three doubles two RBI and Matt Chapman coming out of his slump five hits two doubles home run four RBI um I I don't know like again I I know we're not talking about David Schneider anymore but I go back to David Schneider kind of being the spark plug in here like there are no signs of life in the against the Baltimore Orioles and all of a sudden David Schneider is getting things going and Again, I'm going to go back to that Brandon Bell quote where he really credits Schneider for injecting some energy into this clubhouse and into this team and in this lineup. So, I don't know. It just seemed like there was something different going on. And maybe it's just the Red Sox sucking this time of year and their pitching 
being terrible, but it really seemed like there was some new energy in the lineup. And I know it's like, it's got to be more complicated than that, but for one of the first times this year, I have hope that maybe the tide is turning. I know we've said this before. I know we've seen this play out before, but I'm a, I'm a little hopeful right now. I mean, I want to be hopeful, but at the same time, it is just one series. And I mean, to be fair, like James Paxton in that first game, like he's not having a terrible season. So, I mean, it's when you're, you know, I mean, and Alec Manoa had, had a worse season, but you're able to get a good, a uh, good outing out of him. And then you're able to score all those runs. Like it's, I'm optimistic, but I'm also just like very cautiously optimistic because I mean, things can change on a dime and we've seen it. Like you look at this past uh, series against the Orioles, they get nothing. Like they had the bases loaded in that. I think it was the third game of the series. The only reason why they scored is they had two hit batters and an error in that inning. And then they just, they couldn't get anything out of them. And then out of the, out of nowhere, they just start scoring a million runs. I mean, I think this next series will really show if the offense is turning a tide. I mean, Cleveland is a good team, second in their division. I mean, to be fair, that division is not very good, but, you know, still, like, it's not a terrible team. But so, like, I'm I'm just looking for more of a big picture thing. Like, yeah, you had a good series. A lot of those runs were scored today in the series finale, but I'm a little bit cautious, a little bit optimistic. And I mean, if this is what the offense is able to do, like, there's no Bobochette right now. If this is what the offense is able to do, you're able to take games when they're handed to you, I can only imagine how good it'll be when, when he does eventually return. And you look at it, you know, uh, Guerrero with the home run, Springer starting to get a couple hits. Same thing with Chapman. Uh, like you mentioned, Dalton Varsha with that triple in today's game. Like you're you're seeing the pieces that are expected to have this team win help you win. And I think I might have said it's in the last episode where I said, like, one of the reasons why I don't think Ross Atkins went out and made a million moves at the trade deadline was because this core, this group of players is who he thinks is is going to win, uh, win games with, win deep into the playoffs with. And if they're going to win, this core needs to be better. And it was better in this series. So uh, it was fun to watch. Definitely a, a bit of a sigh of relief. It's good to take all three of these games. Like if you took one or even two, it's like, yeah, okay, it's, you know, two is ideal, but to sweep this series it's just so massively important and you look at the updated standings the blue jays now have a five game lead i had to do some quick maths right there five game lead over the Ori or over the red sox excuse me in the division uh and i mean same thing with the wild card but i mean like you have a little bit more breathing room like i said cleveland's not the greatest team but you were giving yourself breathing room and they did not have breathing room going into this series and they were able to get that. So it was exciting. I just, I want to see how sustainable it is. And I think, uh, the thing that I'm, I think going to be looking for is, yeah, are your regulars going to do well in the next series, next couple series, they get Cleveland and they go home against, uh, against the Cubs. Where is it next? And then they got the Phillies, the Reds, the Orioles, Cleveland again, Washington. So you got like, a good mix. Like, how is the rest of this month and the rest of the season going to play out with your regulars? Like, who is going to hopefully be turning a corner? But also David Schneider. Like, I know, might as well just call David Schneider the title of this episode at this point. But how will he respond to uh, to this good series? Like, how will the league respond to him? And how will he adjust to the adjustments that the pitchers make? Because, like, let's be real. Like, yeah, his average is, is astronomical right now. It's going to be nowhere near that. Like nobody's hitting 600 or more ever. So how, how far will his average and all of his offensive stats dip? Because they will dip, but I just want to see, is he consistent and is he giving them power? Like we've mentioned, like, is he still able to, uh, to uh, produce and how long will he produce for and how long or what will happen when uh, Bobochet eventually does come back and all these things like they'll just, they will, we will see as they, uh, as the season transpires, but I just, as of right now, I'm cautiously optimistic about the offense. I think it's hopefully turning a tide, but it's something that we're just going to have to watch. And at least, you know, one last thing I'll say about the series, at least the pitching was what uh, gave you a chance to win because you combine that with your offense. And then that's what you get out of, uh, out of this series. So it was a good series overall, but it's one where 
it needs to be the start of something bigger, not just like you win one series and then go back to scuffling. Yeah, I think regardless, the pitching has given them that chance. It feels like for majority of the year and pretty much almost every game, it's just it's been usually the offense and failing to capitalize on those opportunities that have been the problem. Uh, and it's it's just it's remained the same thing. The other part, of course, is, as you mentioned, the standings, of course, they're still staying in line with Houston as well. They're only a game behind Houston. But, of course, you look at the perks of being the third wildcard team compared to the second wildcard team. I know it's kind of hard to control, but... I'm just saying, of course, we all know what the obvious answer is if you'd rather choose from there. But yeah, it was good because it does feel like, and we talked about this before we just started recording, and Mark, you said it too, is that it it does feel like this really severely impacted the Red Sox season. And of course, none of us are complaining. And I'm glad if that is the case, and if you look back on where it went wrong for them eventually, perhaps it's this weekend that you can look at uh, where things really went south for them. It just, it would be pretty cool uh to be the team to do that just because of the fact that there's no love lost like i mean whatever i don't think anyone's complaining here um if the red Sox suffer going forward and for the rest of the season but i mean it just i can't oh i can't jump the gun uh in terms of this offense uh because we've made that same mistake every single time for the past four months i need to see more and i might need to see more beyond this cleveland series just because of how i guess how much this offense is really I don't want to say ruined me, but just has really messed with my feelings and emotions uh, throughout the last four months and pretty much through everybody, including uh, for you guys. So it was good because I think the frustrating part is we know that they have the at-bats. We know that they can do it and they have it in them to do it. It's just consistently they have unfortunately, for whatever reason, failed to continue to deliver doing that. I mean, we've seen series or parts of the season where they can have a series like they did this past weekend and then they can go into the next series and go right back to where they were in terms of I guess having offense like they did in the Orioles series last week so that's why I need to see a lot more potentially more after the uh, Guardian series but of course each at this point I think you're taking it one series at a time and I mean if they play like the way they did um, this past weekend there is no question that they can take at least three out of four from the Guardians Um, they're also going to be impacted potentially without Jose Ramirez after he knocked out Tim Anderson yesterday, which was also pretty cool to watch. But, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see if there's a suspension announced during that time. That could be something that is impacted in terms of this series and helps the Blue Jays in terms of, you know, just one less guy that you have to worry about because he is their best player. So you look at what they did on Friday night, um, Saturday night, and Sunday night, and I really... Really, it was one of the times where each game was consistent. We talked about it. I mean, the runners in scoring position thing wasn't exactly as important on Friday night, but when you look at what happened on Saturday, 5 for 12, and when you look at what happened today on the Sunday game, 7 for 14, this was a team that was getting people on base, and without a question, they were bringing in runners. They were hitting doubles to the gap. They were hitting it off the monster. They were hitting it in the triangle. They were hitting it over the green monster. Shout out to David Schneider once again. They were doing everything in terms of moving the ball everywhere. Another highlight for me, I thought, throughout this series is George Springer because of the fact that is we know that he was basically one at-bat away from history or at least setting a new record straight. Jacob, you kind of poked fun at him in terms of getting a bloop single, and I'm glad he came out this weekend and was consistent with his at-bats, one for three on Friday. Saturday was four for four, four-hit game. And, I mean, I think – I don't know if the last time he did that was the very first game of the season because that's how he started out his season. It might have even been five for five in St. Louis. But either way, he was hitting hard uh, contact balls throughout this week. And then, of course, today as well, he goes two for five. He was a very big uh, contributor along with a guy like David Schneider this past weekend. Brandon Belt, again, is a guy who's also been really good throughout the last seven days, hitting 381 in the last seven days, an OPS over 1,300. And we mentioned it a couple times, maybe a little bit more. He deserves a lot more credit. Is a guy like Dalton Varsho as well the last week, hitting 278, OPS is up to 906, and he seems to be having way better at-bats as well. So these are all guys, for the most part, and I know everybody's been contributing um, in terms of what happened this past weekend, but even the course over the last seven days, these are guys for me that have been at the top of this team in terms of performance. I know we saw the home run from Vladdy on Friday night. And uh, he had a couple of, or he didn't have anything going on on Saturday. He went uh, 0 for 4, or might have been 0 for 5. It was 0 for 5. So, I mean, you'd like to see more from him, and that's been the obvious answer for a guy who also we are hoping to step up in terms of the absence of Bo Bichette. But as a offense as a whole, this is something that they all have to do together because of how impactful Bo Bichette's bat is. And it really is, you know, I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise. And I know a couple people have thrown out that idea, but it does give them the opportunity to rise up together and really. I guess, 
try and do everything they can to fill in that void from Bo Bichette because, of course, he is completely irreplaceable right now with what you have, and everyone knows that. So when he does get back at some point, if this offense can remain consistent until then and even after he comes back, this is a team that is way better and has that potential to take the next step and be a World Series contender. Unfortunately, this season they've just been a good team, and I think Mark and Jacob, you two were the first ones to kind of come to that understanding, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just... it. We've talked about how this team has just so much more expectations, and that's been the frustrating part. The pitching's been there for them to win games. It's the offense that has been up and down. I need to see more, um, and I think this opportunity as well this this week in Cleveland is definitely another one that they can take, um, and hopefully they do do that. But, I mean, this past weekend, it, just, it was refreshing to see the at-bats that they put together. It, just, it was really good baseball this weekend, and as much as the Saturday game ended on an interesting play, I thought, even before that play, it was just a really good back and forth game. And it was a game that the Jays were hanging in there for because if their offense was performing the way it has been for majority of the year on a game like Saturday, it, it just it feels like a game that they would have probably lost in the late innings uh, because of that. So I'm glad that they were able to hang in with the Red Sox, especially on that Saturday game, which was definitely the most entertaining game. And then even when you go back to how things started on Friday night, it was just all in all a really good put together series. Yeah, I'm not saying I buy it yet like we've seen this happen plenty of times this season it just like the hope is starting to creep in again where I think there's this this does feel a little bit different to be honest maybe it's just David Schneider I don't know what it is but there's some hope creeping in and I hate it I hate it I hate being hopeful because you know with this team they're gonna find a way to disappoint you but it's creeping in again so that's all that I'm saying about that um Okay, we got some uh, little injury scares in this series as well. It wouldn't be a series at Fenway Park without a little injury talk. Uh, Danny Jansen scratched from Saturday's game with right wrist inflammation. That seems to date back to when he was hit with a pitch by Shintaro Fujinami in the series against the Orioles. Bases loaded, of course, drove in the run. A play that we will never forget, uh, and certainly a name we won't forget as well. Um, so that goes back to that. Hopefully he's all right. It seems to be just day to day for now. And then there was a little bit of scare in today's game. Alejandro Kirk was hit in the hand arm area with a pitch in the top of the fifth inning. And it looked for a moment like the Blue Jays may have to go to an emergency catcher situation with Dalton Varsho. So the depth at the catcher position is not there right now. Hopefully Jansen is back to being healthy at some point in this Cleveland series. Um, and then of course, not to mention his offensive um, talents at least especially as of late he's been super hot we know what he brings to this team in the ninth inning and especially in clutch so hopefully he's back to being healthy in Cleveland although the Blue Jays certainly didn't miss him too much in this series um, and then the last one to mention Kevin Kiermaier slammed into the outfield wall in Sunday's game uh, needed to have eight stitches on his arm at first I I don't know it, it I couldn't really read what the injury was at first the way he was moving his arm and uh, who was in left field? Was it Varsho? In no, Varsho didn't start today. It was Merrifield. Merrifield. Okay, the way that Merrifield was like holding up Kiermaier's arm at first made me really nervous, thinking that he broke it. But then, of course, we saw him like he threw the ball in, and he was clenching his fist as he walked off the field. So that didn't seem to be the case. Anyways, point being, eight stitches on his elbow area laceration day-to-day for now hopefully he's back in the lineup sooner rather than later as well Blue Jays seem to dodge a bullet with that one um okay I guess the last kind of housekeeping thing like we talked about it a little bit but it seems like it might be the finishing blow for the Red Sox season like they're not totally out of it I guess but this was a pretty tough pill to swallow if you're a Boston fan like you're looking at a wild card race that you're now five games back in as opposed to the start of this series when you were two games back. Um, that's that's a really tough blow and a tough pill to swallow for Red Sox fans. And I mean, there was never any hope really in the division for them, but it seems like the wild card is slipping away now, especially with kind of the way this all shook down. I mean, like that kind of crazy stuff that was happening with Alex Verdugo showing up, well, it was like 45 minutes before first pitch in a game and being benched and you know Alex Cora saying it's his worst day since he started managing just like kind of a circus off the field for the Red Sox and I mean as a Blue Jay fan you look at it and gloat and it's great that the Blue Jays now have five games between them and the Red Sox and 
now the first priority or the first order of business is A, taking care of the teams ahead of them, Houston, Tampa Bay, although that's debatable if you want the three spot, and then like staving off the teams behind them. Seattle's still two and a half back. New York is getting to that territory where the season is kind of slipping away from them. I mean, talk about off-the-field antics. With them, they went through a whole lot of stuff this past week with Domingo Herman and everything going off the field. With that, they're now four and a half back in the wildcard standing. So you can see the ground kind of separating a little bit. Seems like the biggest threat to the Blue Jays right now is the Mariners. Um, but it was nice to see the Blue Jays. They didn't take care of business against Baltimore. They didn't take advantage of the head-to-head. But for the first time this season, they finally took advantage of a head-to-head against an AL East team. And uh, they really, really put some distance between them and the Red Sox. Yeah, I'm just looking through the standings here. I can't help... Uh... I can't help but think that the Mariners are not making the playoffs. Like, I'm not going to call them frauds, but, like, they kind of sold at the deadline. Wow. Not not wow. entirely. But, I mean, if they if they traded Teoscar Hernandez, then absolutely they'd be out of it. But I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, okay, it's tough because you don't know exactly who's going to win the divisions yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mariners, Yankees, Red Sox, Angels, Guardians... I mean, I'm not even going to count the Guardians, but... I wouldn't be surprised if there's uh, zero change in the way the playoffs are in terms of teams on the outside looking in. Like, obviously, with the division could be very different, but I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, the teams in a playoff spot right now remain that way. And just on a you know a last little note, I actually want the Blue Jays to have that third spot. Like, I know I'd love home field advantage again, but. Do I want to play the Astros or the Rays? Because home no. field advantage helped so much last time. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they wouldn't even get it anyway. They weren't. They're not getting. The well, that's first what, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's what never. I mean. Yes, mm, I mean they could. I, I don't know. A lot well, of things have to go some. right, but um, but yeah. Anyways, like, do I think they beat the Twins? Absolutely. And I mean, whether it's, I mean, it'll be obviously in Minnesota, but I, I think they do that or any of the. Uh, the other AL Central Division leaders, no disrespect to them, but that division terrible. But, anyways, um, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like, like I'm not trying to say that the season's over. Playoff teams have already qualified. Uh, you know, whatever things could change. I could be eating my words, unfortunately. But after this series, I think you have to feel a little bit more confident in where this team is. And as long as they can stay on par with what they're doing, I mean, minus the last couple weeks on par with what they've done these last three games, then I think it'll be a, a a much better end of the season than we expected. Yeah. Is it, first of all, the, the Blue Jays did everything that they could have possibly done this weekend. Um, they take three at Boston and yeah, like as much as they did that at the same time, they still didn't exactly make up ground where they were in terms of the entire wild card. Like we talked about, you talked about it already, like Seattle all of a sudden has crept back in this race and they never really were out of it. They were just kind of for pretty much majority of the year hovering around that 500 mark. I mean, I think they're eight and one or whatever, eight and two in their last 10 games. And they're now two, two and a half back from the blue Jays. So that's kind of the biggest difference is what you look at on Friday night compared to what you look at tonight on Sunday night as we record this. You look at Friday night and you had Boston, New York, or Boston and then New York right behind the Jays. Boston was two games back. New York was two and a half games back. And then the biggest change, of course, coming now where we are currently is that it's now Seattle alone that's two and a half games back. And then when you look at where the Yankees were, they were playing the Astros this past weekend, four and a half games. And of course, the Red Sox after what happened, five games back. So you talk about it, Mark, tons of drama uh, throughout both teams, it feels like this weekend. And of course, even... Um, performance-wise today on Sunday, I mean, booing Carlos Rodon, and I know he's been a disaster um, ever since being activated, and he left tonight, today's start as well with another injury. That has just been a dreadful start to his tenure in New York. And then, of course, with Boston, you were mentioning the Alex Verdugo stuff, and that's just, it. all of it is strange, and I know that they mentioned that he was scratched on Saturday without like an injury-related reason, so I think the first thing you thought of is, yeah, it's obviously something disciplinary. And, of course, on Friday night, it was also nice seeing Alec Manoa let out a little bit more of, I would say, emotion after striking him out. And it was definitely something good to watch after all that 
shenanigans from Ferdugo at the beginning of the year because he's the one as well. Um, you know, when he succeeds, he has no problem doing it himself. So I think that was pretty cool seeing Manoa just let out some emotion. I know it's been an up-and-down year for him, and it's not been the season he's wanted. But, of course, he can finish things off on a really good note. And I thought as well, on a side note, it was one of his best starts probably uh, since coming back from the IL, or not the IL, but from the Florida, the Florida Coast League. Just efficiency and everything like that, he looked really good. So it's nice because they did, going back to the main point, is that they did make ground on both of these two teams at the bottom of the division in the AL East, which is the Red Sox and the Yankees. They have still tons of work to do. I think the other good part, as much as we don't want them to finish her, as we've already mentioned multiple times, is that they are still in reach of the Astros. They're still in reach of the Rays, like you guys said, mathematically. So... I mean, I like that they're still in reach of those other two teams as well, as much as I don't want them to necessarily pass them, if that makes sense. Just to know that they're within range of everyone, especially those two spots ahead of them, it just gives them more spots to work with, even at the end of the day, if you know, if worse comes to worse. So it's going to be a good rest of the year. Who knows how long this Mariners run is going to last, Jacob? You said it. Potentially, it seems like a blip, but I don't know. It's just... It's really something that we've seen consistently with the Mariners the last couple of years. They've kind of hovered around 500, and then all of a sudden, the last couple of months, they go on a, an insane run, and then they're in the playoffs. And of course, that's what happened last year. We don't need to talk anything further from that. But it just it's something that is the Mariners have done a lot the last couple of years. So I'm not exactly ready to call them off yet because of the run that they've been on eight and two again over the last ten games. So it's nice too, and I think the other main point of this is. Um, of course, going back to ta- separating from the Yankees and the Red Sox is as much as the Jays may have potentially harmed the Red Sox season. When you really think about it, too, this could have went the other way. And if it did go the other way, we talked about it. The Red Sox were two games back on Friday night. If they swept or took two out of three from the Blue Jays, they would have been ahead of the Blue Jays by now. And then the Blue Jays possibly could have been fourth or even fifth uh, in the division. And then all of a sudden we're here tonight talking about potentially the season not being over, of course, but just being in a really, really tough position. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. And it's, you know, I don't want to say it's not being talked about enough is that it's just knowing that it could have went the other way. And really it feels like versus the AL East this year, it would have been something that, you know, would have been that would have been really possible and it definitely was possible but it was just pretty cool how they were able to completely turn the fortunes on that turn the tables sweep the Red Sox themselves and now we don't have to talk about that because if you just really look at it and look out the the standings right now if they were behind the Red Sox if things did not go well this weekend you're looking at the Yankees and then you're looking at the Mariners and then of course now you're chasing the Red Sox and you're kind of all in the same position and that's something that you don't want to be in right now of course you want to do everything you can to remain in the third spot and distance themselves from the fourth wildcard team and of course they have work to do on that and just stay in reach of the other two teams that's why I just it, it's also really good knowing that they were able to avoid that entire scenario and possibility because it definitely was possible. And entering the weekend, I think a lot of us were thinking it was going to lean that direction as well because of the fact that it was very realistic that they were fourth or fifth on the division uh, by tonight. So thank God it wasn't that way. And now they have an opportunity to go on that run like we're talking about and hopefully consistently show the at-bats. We don't want to jump the gun too much on that because we've done that too many times this season. So we'll just see what happens from there. And it's just a thing where you're taking it one series at a time. Yeah, to be honest, I hadn't really thought about the alternative. Like, what happens if the Jays get swept in their series? Because that's a dark alternate universe that we don't want to stumble into. It's not good. Yeah, nasty. Um, and you do mention, it's a good point mentioning Alec Manoa. He looked really solid for kind of the first time all year, basically. He uh, gave up three runs, so that part of it doesn't totally look great. But you watch his start, and he looked really confident. 6.2 innings, 6 hits. Three runs, two walks, five strikeouts, two homers. I guess the homers maybe is the biggest concern. But honestly, like that's a sign that he's getting the ball in the zone. And that's one of the biggest struggles he's had this year. So, I don't know. You take the, the pluses and the minuses. I'm pretty happy with what we saw from him. Um, okay, four games against the Cleveland Guardians. The Blue Jays are going to have Ryu, Kikuchi, Gosman, and Manoa on the mound. For the Guardians, it's going to be Gavin Williams with a 3.38 ERA. Tanner Bibby with 3.14 ERA, Logan Allen 3.65 ERA, and then in the finale, Noah Syndergaard with his 6.75 ERA. So by and large, it's going to be a tough pitching series for the Blue Jays offense. It's going to be a challenge with the exception of that last 
start Manoa versus Syndergaard. Uh, I can go first on this one. Uh, I think they lose game one. They lose the Ryu start, but they win the three other games. They win with Kikuchi, Gosman, and Manoa on the mound. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, what I'm going to do, hear me out. I th- Are I you did okay? This- no, 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 I'm, okay, I'm just yeah. collecting myself before I think, is this actually what I'm going to say? Uh, I mean, it's not like breaking news or anything, but um, I, I said this a couple episodes ago. I've said this before throughout the season. Blue Jays do not perform well when Kevin Gosman pitches. They just don't give this poor guy any offense. I think they take three or four, but I think they lose the Gosman star. And it's not because Gosman's going to pitch poorly. It's just you look at it and this this offense is a roller coaster. I really do think it's going to be a situation where Gosman pitches well, pitches well enough to win, deserves to win, but the team just lets him down. So I'll think, yeah, three of four, but they lose that that third of four. Okay. Um, I'm going to go three of four as well, but I'll change it from, um, I guess, from both of you guys, from what you've predicted. I'll say that they win... I'll say that they win the first three games and they lose the series finale. I'll do that, but I think that um, regardless of what game it is that they lose, this is something after what we saw this weekend and just knowing everything, they should take at least three out of four from this team, and that would make it even better um, in terms of where they are in the standings. But I think this is something that is definitely achievable, and it's going to answer again. The main question is if these bats can continue or just bring everything over pretty much what they did from Boston. I think that's going to be the thing that we're looking at the most. Um, and that's going to be the biggest difference maker of this series for sure. If they're going to get to that point, if they can take at least three out of four from this team. To update our standings, where things stand between the three of us, Jacob has his first good weekend in quite a while. He finally bet on Manoa and it worked. Enough. <laughs> you gained two points in the standings, so now you're only down... Uh, now I'm the one who has to do quick math. Twenty four. See, points? it's hard. You're only down. Oh, uh, fourteen points. No, I can't do math. You're losing fifty three to thirty seven to Bryson. Man, I thought twelve point five minus seven point five was. <laughs> That's hard. easy. That's small numbers. Okay, what's fifty three minus thirty seven? We're not a math pod. What oh, is that? So what, That's... No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I actually have no idea what it is. What is it? What is it? Sixteen. Oh yeah, yeah. Sixteen. I think it's 16. Uh, Okay, point being, Bryson is in first at 53 points. I'm in second at 50 points. Jacob, you're in third with 37 points. Point being, you are in the rear by a long shot, and you're going to stay that way until the end of the season. Not a factor. Um, Ain't happening. I don't know what to tell you. 16 points. fantasy team. Or thereabouts. No, no, no. Can can we please not discuss that? Seems we always end up in the same spot at the end of the podcast, ripping Jacob for his fantasy team. Um, okay, you can find you can find everything to do with our podcast below this episode. We have links to our YouTube, our Twitter, our Instagram, our TikTok, our Bias Coffee page. You can join our Discord, where we have seventy fans of the podcast talking baseball and everything else. Uh, check them out. We're going to be rooting for the Jays. It's going to be an exciting week in Cleveland. I'm sure there's going to be lots of Jays fans there at Progressive Field. And we will catch you after this series is over.